Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 701. Um, what do you got in the Nerds Community Corkboard? Uh, I got uh, actually something inspired by the Nerdist. From, remember when you had Cal Penn on? You were I do remember the, when I had Cal Penn on. The place where we need uh, civil discourse. Yes. Some folks in uh, Seattle are doing a show now called And Discuss. And it's going to be a monthly show where they have people on the panel from different points of view doing civil discourse and having conversations about different points of view to try to come to a mutual understanding. The first one's on August 6th at 9 p.m. in the Edmonds Theater near Seattle. I think it's going to be super cool. They are uh, on Twitter at, at end underscore discuss. And I think that they're doing cool work. Fantastic, Kyle Clark. You're a national treasure. Thank you. And by that, I mean uh, the clues to you are hidden on our money. And Nicholas Cage I was thinking more like you. I've turned my body into treasure map. <laughs> What? And then and then when you get to the the, the actual treasure by following the, the clues, it's my butt. Oh, this treasure's brown. Brown gold. What if that was just the end of National Treasure, just someone shitting on Nicolas Cage's chest? That would be a National Treasure. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. That instead had to be the ending to Drive Hard. <laughs> uh, this episode is... <laughs> This episode is Andy Samberg. Second time on the podcast. He was on, I think, in the first... He year was in the or first two, 100. super early. Wasn't yeah. the first one hundred? Yeah, I think it was like yeah. We recorded it in New York. Yeah. Um, but uh, such a great guy, and and Seven Days in Hell uh, is the tennis movie that he did. It's a comedy. It's not. He didn't do like a serious tennis movie. Uh, but it's it's on HBO Saturday, July eleventh at ten p.m. Kit Harrington is also in it. It'll be on HBO Go, HBO Now. Uh, I see the billboards for it all over Los Angeles. He's on Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's gonna host the fucking Emmys. He's like Will Ferrell. Where you just look at him and you start to giggle. Yeah, he's just funny. <laughs> like he just radiates silliness. He just radiates. But but then when you talk to him, he's a t- totally normal yeah, guy. Total bro. Uh, good dude. So we had a good time with this uh, with this, this old Andy Samberg here. This old Samberg. <laughs> On another episode of This Old Sandberg. <laughs> this one! Same one! All right! Same one as the other episodes. No, same That's one. A whole episode. Same guy. Same guy as the other ones. Produced by uh, David E. Kelly. <laughs> now here's the nurse episode number 701 with Andy Sandberg. This Old Sandberg! That one. This one? Yeah. Okay. Good. This guy? Yeah. Katie, the thing. Now entering Nerdist.com. It's funny that uh, Mad TV was one of those shows that 
you're, I, I, and some part of my brain, I'm like, that show's still on, right? Like, it's one of those shows that was on for it so on fucking for long. so long. Yeah. Michael McDonald now directs a bunch of Brooklyn Nine-Nines. Oh, oh really? Does he? Yeah. Nice. And he's fucking great. He's amazing. Yeah. I had him as an improv teacher once, and he was really scary as an improv teacher. I could Because he's so, he's so, he understands it so well. Yeah. That when you uh, when you're not like when you're not doing great work, it's just like stop. What are you doing? Yeah. Stop it! Stop <laughs> trying to control the scene. Like snapping, you know. And you're like, uh-huh. ah, bah, I'm already scared. I heard crazier stories about him from a while ago that he was like pretty domineering and crazy, and that now <laughs> he's much more mellow. Oh, that's good. But him on set at Brooklyn was like, because he's insanely funny so and he turns out to be really good at directing so the, the episodes come in really good but also there's like 10 or 12 great new jokes oh wow that he just was like what if you did this <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah what if i did that but okay yeah. that's a great pitch sure well, let's do it then. <laughs> yeah that's rad yeah he's great he was a, he was he was on the podcast a few years ago he had his, he put out a stand-up special and then uh just one of those guys that just like does everything yeah. Like, stop doing everything. You don't have to do, you don't have to be good at every comedy, everything. You're kind of one to talk. What? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> no, I don't. No, but, okay. Stop doing everything. Take the compliment. As much as it's not deserved, take the compliment. <laughs> you shut your fucking mouth. As much mouth. as he's just trying to be nice, acclimate to the end. No. You know. No, we, uh. The Nerdist Empire. Everyone does no, that. No, We, uh. Do I have to be close to this? Yeah, close ish. Okay. You could be like this. Little, you could be a little Yo. Freddie Mercury. Yo. You ever notice? <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you were on the podcast in the early days of the podcast. Yes. I think when we were in New York and we recorded at that weird apartment studio. Yes. Were you guys there for no. that? No. You went rogue. It was mono mono No, you were there. I was? For Neil deGrasse Tyson. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was different. Neil deGrasse Tyson, but that was a different time. Different time, but same studio. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I've been in that studio. Sure, yeah, yeah. And a guy basically turned his three. Yeah, an old apartment. guy that probably collects antique radios, like had this yes. fucking studio. Yeah, That's yeah. Like yeah. Any old guy. Yeah. That's all old guys but do. Clearly, at some point <laughs> in his lineage, like at some point in his family line, like he got this apartment that's on Central Park. It is like the gorgeous, gorgeous, yeah, and an uncommonly large apartment for New York. And he just turned half of it into this recording studio, and they do a lot of NPR stuff there. Oh, wow. It was so. fun. It doubled. I believe as my as a Wired magazine article. It was a Wired magazine yeah. article, also as well. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and, you're, and so so that really launched your career. <laughs> that really Wired, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, because uh, I was just thinking about, I feel like maybe one of the first times I met you, I think it was at a show, and I was either at. Um, it was either at one of the Channel 101 screenings or like or or just a show. I think it was a stand-up show in Santa Monica. In Santa Monica, in the back at, of that bar at Finn McCool's. Finn McCool's. Finn McCool's. And I remember it was a very eventful night for me because it was the first time I met you, and yep. I got to tell you that I knew who you were and I was a fan, <laughs> and that was exciting for me. And it was also the first time I saw Louis do stand-up. Louis live. C.K. did it at the Finn McCool's. And it, too. and it was. I think we've talked about this before, but. It was the first time I'd ever seen him doing stuff about his kids. Yeah. Mm. It was like right before he really made that turn into like yeah. the guy who does great stand up about how it sucks to have kids. Yes. Yeah. And like that was such a new thing at that moment and and then obviously it went well. Yeah, it that was well like yeah. what was that? That was probably like oh four maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it oh, had to so, be. So, yeah, because it was like the year when he started doing it now. Like Embar had just started. And he was starting to do other Yes. And to see him in that environment too, because Finn McCool's. Did you ever do Finn McCool's? Yeah, once. Yeah, 
it was it sh- there was nothing about the setup of that show that should have worked, and the show was always really fun. Yeah, yeah good people came because it was the bar was the bar was square shaped, and so there the, you know like the the actual bar itself took up the center of the space, and then it was it was just a square perimeter. And they just set the show up like in one piece of the square. So, but the rest mm. of the bar was still active. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it just it yeah. shouldn't have worked. But for whatever reason, the show was really fun. It always felt to me the way people describe doing shows on the road. Yeah. <laughs> Where they're like, and you're just fucking thrown in the corner and everyone's drinking. They don't give a shit. They're yeah. throwing quarters at your head. And I was like, oh, we have this in L.A. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just go to the west side. <laughs> but instead of, yeah. Did you ever do stand-up on the road after that? I, I never fully hit the road. Right. I went to the Ice House. That's as far as I went. Yeah. <laughs> Pasadena's the road. I got the show back east. Where well, like, Pasadena? Yeah. Pasadena's like a road gig. Absolutely. Yeah. And then when I, after I got on SNL, I would do like college gigs where I'd fly places on the weekend and stuff. Yeah, but there was just no... I mean, you just, you just didn't really have time at that point, right? No, I always joke that like it went so well that I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I got really lucky. But yeah, I didn't have time to write material so i ended up not doing it did you ever feel like any material that you were writing that was not for snl was wasting material like i need everything for this show a hundred percent if i had any idea that he was even remotely funny to me i tried to figure out a way to make it into a sketch yeah without a doubt but did you have was there a bin of stuff that didn't make it you're like well i guess i can smush this together and do something else yeah generally like the dirtiest stuff <laughs> but even i mean we've got jizz in my pants on the air you did there wasn't really much and dick in a box yeah there was there were a few uh stones left unturned in terms of ideas that we had while working at snl that didn't end up either on the show or attempt <laughs> few dick related i think yeah. My, yeah. i think one of my <laughs> i think one of my favorite things about that phenomenon was that it became a benchmark for essentially creating viral content, and so you'd go, you'd go in meetings a- after that with like, like fucking legitimate network people. Are like, we want to try to create like a dick in the box phenomenon. Yeah, like yeah. they were, they were saying dick in a box and jizz in my pants. Yeah. yeah, but but from such a clinical standpoint yeah. of like, this is the type of stuff we want to create. The uh, working at SNL at the time, the the fun part about it after is that people would come in like legendary people and they'd know the names of those songs. It'd be like Dan Aykroyd going, jizz in my pants. <laughs> Very good. Or like Tom Hanks and stuff, you know, all like the sweetest guys. But like you're looking from our perspective, we're looking at them like, holy shit, these are just legendary dudes. And they're saying our stupid ass song names back to us. And we're like, man, this must've gone well. And those song names are dick in a box and jizz in yeah, my pants. Yeah. But that's totally, I feel like that's totally the type of stuff they would have, you know, particularly Aykroyd. Yeah, for sure. It was just they wouldn't have been able to get it on when they were on the show. Yeah. They just had to sing straight up blues songs. <laughs> it's the equivalent. They had, to, yeah. they, had to, they had to climb over the hill of cocaine yeah, to get yeah, to the yeah. stage. Yeah. Or just put a fish in a blender. Yeah. <laughs> was a bit. Did you go did you go to the fortieth? I was there, yeah. Were you? No, no. Oh, okay. I don't really have any connection to SNL, so I don't I wouldn't have been invited, but it was uh uh how how was it? It, it was very surreal. Yeah. It was like I think probably more crazy famous people in one room than I've ever experienced, and that's including now the Oscars. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so not this room. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, everyone. Thanks. Yeah. Everything's awesome. Lego movie. Yeah, we yeah, performed. And it's not a big deal. <laughs> really happy for Common and John Legend. Um. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was like everywhere you look is the most famous person that, especially if you're in comedy 
but also like you're like there's Leonardo DiCaprio, Kanye West, and Jack Nicholson sitting together, and there's George Lucas and Steven Spielberg sitting together, and there's Mick Jagger and Whoa. Paul McCartney, and I don't think Mick Jagger was there, but seems like he would have been. He probably was. If he wasn't there, Didn't there was him. someone there who looked John a lot Lennon like was him. There. <laughs> John Lennon was there. <laughs> but it was like, I, it, the few times that I've been in situations like that where where the the A-list celebrity density is so high. Yeah. You're like, you can't all be in one room. If the roof caves in, you'll take out 40% yeah. of the entertainment industry. That and your brain just shuts down. Yeah. Because there's no one to be excited about because everyone's to be excited about, if you're excited about that, which I am. But, but, I, but it's fun because I think they get excited about each other too. Right. Like, right. oh, wow, that's, you know, just like you said, like Ackroyd, oh, I love that sketch. It definitely, like, broke off into factions a little bit, like, inevitably. And... It, it, I I got seated really nicely from my perspective. I was with like Sarah Silverman and Louie and Zach and people like that. Yeah. And I was like, hey, is this how I'm thought of? This is fucking awesome. <laughs> it's like a wedding. <laughs> it's like being at a wedding. You're like, what table am I going to yeah, be exactly. at? Yeah, exactly. Like, this is uh, like, Jonah, take the seat next to Denitra Vance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, it got to the point where like Fallon did a whole recap of the after party on his show and it was incredible. It was like, Prince on stage with Taylor Swift and Paul McCartney and all these people. And I distinctly remember that happening and feeling annoyed that the music was so loud because I was trying to talk to my friend Matt Murray, who's a writer. (laughs) 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 I was like, I'm so fucking jaded at this point in the night where I was like, I just want to ask Matt about his baby. (laughs) Like, I haven't haven't seen him in a while. Shut up, Paul McCartney. (laughs) 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 That's kind of a fun... That's sort of that's almost like a hey. I guess I made it when I know that I'm really annoyed that Paul McCartney and Taylor Swift <laughs> won't keep it the fuck down on today. It's either that or I really love Matt Murray. <laughs> He's that great. He is that great of a guy. How is Matt Murray, by the way? He's good. His kid's great. Yeah, <laughs> good. you got the information. I mean, from what you could piece together, He's because... writing on Brooklyn now. He's my buddy from SNL. Oh, that's awesome. And we, you know, when I first got there, he wrote a ton of stuff with me, and he's he's a dear friend. Oh, Does right, it yeah. feel like when you go when you, when you when you're going to a show like Brooklyn? Which I think, if you went from zero to that was your first show, you'd probably feel like, fuck, this is a lot of work. Right. But, I mean, I would imagine once you survive SNL, I, I think most work things, I would assume, are probably like, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's not a live show every week. Oh, yeah. And also, there's uh, I'm not writing for myself every week. That's right. the hugest difference. I mean, the writing part was by far the most stressful part of SNL for me, is every week being like, okay, now I have to come up with an entirely new idea. and. Granted, it was me, Akiva, and Yorma had to come up with one, but still, it's hard every week to come up with something that you actually stand by. And sometimes you don't. (laughs) (laughs) But it airs anyway. (laughs) There were definitely like weeks where we'd be like, please don't air this. And they'd say, it's better than some other stuff that's worse. (laughs) And that's how the show gets decided. Please don't air this. (laughs) SNL has the strangest phenomenon around it and i've noticed this since i think since the very first cast where people still watch the show but if you ask people that they always go it's not like it was a few years ago right, like yeah. always doesn't yeah. matter when you ask them yes. it's like yeah but it's not like the old or like yeah but you were saying people were yeah. saying that before Everyone so no one ever when they were 14 when will people yeah, just exactly. admit that they are satisfied with saturday night live in <laughs> its current form there's a few people out there like in the internet world now that will be like just be patient. This is good. It has to be good. It's always been good. Yeah. We'll realize it's good in a few years. You see stuff like that written, and I'm like, that's pretty much the right idea. Yeah. 
I think the only season they were that re- said <laughs> it is not like it was a few years ago. I think we can I mean, all agree. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot, here, all the here. all the good people here, left. Here, yeah, you know. What is this? What is this B team now? They had to <laughs> like people don't understand that, you know. I guess, I guess it's sort of like it's part of what it is to be a Doctor Who fan is you know you always for a minute are like oh but I loved the but if you just stick with it yeah. and stop being closed minded you go oh I love this new yeah. oh and you know like it's it's kind of nice to discover Maybe you a new thing. The format. Maybe just trust in the format. Trust, trust in the format. Yeah. Guys, it'll never be like Keenan's third and eighth years. On the show. It's never. Those are the year two. Oh, the Valley Peaks of Keenan? Yeah. I think, the only se- I think the only season where we can definitely say that that was the case was the season after like the first cast left. And it was that strange. There was a strange cast with like... Uh, I think like Charles Rocket and Denny Dillon and was like, that before Murphy was on? Yeah, he. I think he. Okay. I think he came on at the tail end of that, and then that was the next wave was the right. the Piscopo Murphy years. You can also say it about the Robert Downey Jr. year. Yes, that was that year. I think you can, but Lovitz was in there. Yeah, yeah. and then also, th- I mean. Wasn't that like Robert Downey Jr., Randy Quaid, Randy, Randy Quaid, Quaid, Joan Cusack? Yeah, yeah. it was Anthony like people Michael that Hall. were already Anthony, Michael, Anthony Hall, Michael Hall. Like, all these incredible people. It maybe yeah. wasn't like the most renowned year of that show, but it is significant in that it was yeah. still a fucking killer cast. Yeah, just maybe not for that right, show. Right, right, right. <laughs> At that moment, I think Lorne. I think that's Lorne had left. Right, he left after the first, and that was his first year back. Yeah, so he was gone. He started f- first five years, and then he was five years gone. And it was right? yeah. Ebersole, right? Dick yeah. Ebersole. And then when he came back, that was like the Robert Downey Jr. Randy. Quaid. And the last episode of the season was that the house was burning down, <laughs> and he right. takes Lovitz with him. Yeah. <laughs> they literally fired yeah. everyone but Lovitz the next yeah. year. It's so crazy that they aired that. It's so, so real. But I think they probably only had. Because I remember Billy Crystal said that they only had a year contract for yeah. for that, and I always think of when I think back in the Billy Crystal years, I'm like, yeah, that was a good like three seasons. Like, no, that was one season yeah. where yeah. they where you Just got Ed Fernando Hunters. and the fucking the guys who uh, talk about pain yeah, and yeah. Jackie Rogers Jr. Like yeah. that was all just one fucking season. It's crazy. But Jackie Roger, Rogers Jr. That was a SCTV character. It was, brought, which he yeah. brought over. Yeah, and so was Ed Grimley. Yeah, Grimley too. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, and then. To, and let's, and let's just think about all the great Mad TV characters that we loved. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. The Asian one. And the then swan? the little boy. Yeah. That's, yeah. I don't know. I didn't watch it. That was Michael McDonald. That's right. Michael yeah. Which I, I saw that character at a Groundlings show before it was on Mad TV. And it was legitimately, it just it fucking slaughtered. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can see it's fun to... Did you ever try to workshop stuff live, or did you just not have time? I didn't have time. But the people who came in from, like, sketch background, like, if you watch Wig's audition, Mm -hmm. it has Target Lady and, like, three other characters that she did within the first month on the show. Mm -hmm. And Feral is that way, too. Like, Growling people come in fully formed. Right. Um, Taryn was kind of like that. Uh, Maya, you know, it's... And I think Dana Carvey. Had a ton of stuff like that. Was he Groundlings? I think he was Groundlings. Was he Groundlings? Was he? I don't know. Uh, well, Phil Hartman was, and he same thing. Hartman, yeah, yeah. He like his 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 audition tape is one of the best things to watch. 
It's incredible. I've never seen his audition tape. Print of everything he was going to do on the show. Yeah, and yeah. he just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, like he's just he he like he even does a character that smokes the cigarettes, and then he just continues to smoke the cigarette the rest of the time he's on stage. <laughs> well, yeah, because cigarette he, tastes good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was older by the time he came on. The, he was old, not old, but he was older than everyone than most of the other people. Like yeah. he, Phil was well into his thirties by the time he mm-hmm. went on SNL, right? Yeah. So he was, I think, at that point, and he also had another career as a graphic designer. So I think he right. was probably just like. Fuck, I, you know, yeah. didn't even... It's the best place to come from if you cannot give a shit, but then sometimes you spend so much time trying not to give a shit that you actually give more of a shit. Right. Getting into that sweet spot's a very difficult... <laughs> yeah. The right percentage of not caring. Yeah, because yeah, it's, yeah. like, it's, like, it's almost like lightning in a weird sense because you just have to be at a place in your life where you're comfortable with yourself, and right. it's, you can't engineer that. Yeah, you just have to be comfortable with yourself. Turns out so, self-esteem yeah. is a big factor in that. <laughs> This is a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> or at least, at least just being comfortable in your in your skin. I don't even think it's like I don't even think it's an an issue of I'm so much funnier than everyone, or I'm so much better. I think it's just an issue of like, well, eh, you know, I can take this or leave this, or I'm fine. It's yeah. not gonna it's not gonna compromise my life if I don't get it. And right. I think that's what people are drawn to. I think that the live element speaks to that a lot because there's people can smell it if you're scared or if you're not feeling what you're work, what you're doing in that moment. Yeah. You know, it's like good stand up. When people are really like at ease, like Chappelle who everyone agrees is a genius. Yeah. But like I've seen him do sets where he goes on for like an hour and a half and mostly just smokes cigarettes. Yes, yeah. he does. <laughs> you know what I mean? But and I loved it. Yeah. Where I'm just like, fuck, I could watch this all night. Like and he Every now and again, we'll tell an incredible joke, and you're like, there's the joke. Oh, yeah. I love it so much. But like, he has such comfort on stage that I think it's m- almost more important than the jokes he's doing at some points. Yeah, because they're the whoever's on stage ultimately is the emotional conductor for the audience. And so if they're comfortable, the audience is going to be comfortable. Yeah. If they're fidgety, the audience is... Because the, the audience wants to... They want to surrender their will to the person on stage. That's sure. why they're there. Yes. And, and I will I, say, like, you could argue, like, oh, well, Chappelle is such a huge star that he has goodwill. But I used to do stand-up in college, and I'd see him every now and again. And it was before Chappelle's show, and it was the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. He'd, like... Just chat up the audience, like ask people who had weed, and like, <laughs> and like he was a known entity for sure, but it wasn't like the way it is now. Well, you know? But but it doesn't even. But the fame thing doesn't even really matter past like five minutes. Yes, I mean people. I think people are almost more judgmental of famous people because they expect them to be so much better, and if they're not, right. if they don't knock it out of the park, then you know. Then you're asking him to keep it down while you ask your friend Matt Murray about his baby. <laughs> <laughs> what were Taylor Swift and Paul McCartney playing? I'm sure her song. <laughs> no, no, no. They were, like, I, I, I think I remember the story. I think they, she was I playing. wear short shorts, you wear long pants. <laughs> that classic song. That classic song. What's the song where she's like, I'm the nerdy girl and you're and she's the hot girl and you pick... It's the only Taylor Swift song. All of her songs are just called Shake It Off. They're all... Shake It Off. Shake It Off. Shake I'm glad it her so- songs are slowly starting to like acknowledge the fact that she looks like Christy Brinkley now. <laughs> like, there's only so long you can like tell people that you're the nerdy, shy one, right? And you're like, you're literally a model. Yeah, gla- gla- glasses don't help that much. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they're kind of hot. Yeah, they're kind so, of in. So let's not. Yeah, <laughs> let's not pretend. Yeah, it is. It- <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just a dorky girl from the from a small town. No, 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 you're a goddamn billionaire <laughs> yeah, were... and one of the most statuesque, yeah. gorgeous and human beings from an estate in Pennsylvania. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if she was right. in like a kind of like an '80s teen movie right now, where she's the love interest, she'd be walking around with her hair down in a dress, and then she would put on a shitty jacket and put her hair up and put her glasses on. Then all the guys would be like, "Whoa, yeah, that would be the." Scene she'd be carrying that. her yeah. books like with really closed body language. Yeah. And then someone would get her to open up. I think you're literally describing one of her videos. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm describing a lot of the videos. Maybe all of them. (laughs) Except for the one where she trashes that mansion that's probably hers. Uh, (laughs) Guys, take it easy on her, okay? You see that new Rihanna video? Yes! Someone sent it to my girlfriend. They're like, this is the most fierce, daring, bold, blah, blah, blah. And we watch them and we're like, Okay, it's fine. I kind of loved it. Bitch Bitch better have my money. money. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it ends with her in a wheelbarrow full of naked in a wheelbarrow full of cash, covered in blood, covered in blood. <laughs> yeah, she basically is like, you know, she fucks people up in the video, and it's it's fine, it's fine, it's it's fine. It was just yeah, it's visually arresting. <laughs> 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 the reviews are in. Says Andy Samberg. <laughs> Of the arresting you times. You look at wheelbarrows the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun. And it is, you know, uh, and I, I guess, yeah, because I guess they'd, 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 she had to put it on Vimeo, right? Because if she's, like, she, you wouldn't be able to put that on YouTube because of content. Like, you can't show boobs on YouTube. Yeah. So they should put it on, probably put it on Vimeo. Or is it title? I don't know. I don't understand how title works. We're not supposed to. We're not. We're not no, meant to. We're not allowed to. We're not meant to. <laughs> it's like it's to like, understand title. It's like we're Bitcoin. It's a thing that a handful of things. people really understand, and even they don't really understand. It's like quantum yeah. physics. It's like okay, once you think you understand it, you don't understand Got it. it. It's like the Interstellar of music. It's the Interstellar <laughs> of music. Yeah, it's three and a half hours long. I and... should take that back because Interstellar was my favorite movie. <laughs> it was a good movie. <laughs> I loved it. Was, it. it was a really good movie. To see it again. It was a. Uh, are you going to see it again? I'm excited to see it again. Yeah. That's what, it's one of those movies that I felt like by the, got time, by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, I loved it, but I don't think I ever need to see it again. Oh, like I feel like I logged the experience in my brain. Did you see it in the theater? No, I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it in the theater, and a lot of people I heard complained about the score. There was like, too bombastic. And, da, da, da. <laughs> and for me, it did the thing, which I personally love. <laughs> you thought was, the score was arresting. I thought it was orally arresting. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is insanely loud and like relentless. But it was in a way where it was like, um, you know, the scene in the second Lord of the Rings where the the orc army is so huge that yes. that Wormtongue starts crying. Yes, where it's like he's overwhelmed with how massive and like powerful it is. I had that moment in Interstellar where it was like not an emotional cry, but like a stimulation cry. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. like my senses were so overloaded with the music and like what I was seeing when the ship's like spinning around trying to dock into that thing. And I started actually like rolling tears. Where I was like, "Oh my god, what is happening? This is so much information." And, but I loved it. Like I left feeling like, "Fuck, I really got my money's worth." Because I've never felt that like overwhelmed yeah. by something. But Reginald J. Pennybags of the Millionaire Times claims bombastic. <laughs> There's this bombastic. Bombastic doesn't have to be bad. <laughs> no, but I do think that it's an aggressive sounding term that an old millionaire would use. Uh, this is. This is by far the most bombastic score I've ever heard. And that's the problem is that I never, when I have time, I don't ever think I should go to the movie theater. I just think I'm not going to leave my house. I watch almost everything at home or on a plane now. <laughs> yeah. Pretty yeah. Much. And I think 
probably I would enjoy some movies more if I went to the theater more often. Well, of course. Like, there's some movies that you like. You should see Mad Max Fury Road in the theater. Like, yeah. you should see Interstellar in a movie theater. Is Mad Max still in the theaters? I still haven't seen it. No, I think it's probably gone. No, I'm sure it's still it's in the theater somewhere. Somewhere. You should see it in a theater. I really want to. Somewhere far out, but yeah, it's even more fun. Oh, you know, Lydia keeps trying to get me to go to a drive-in. Yeah, there's there's the Santa Fe Springs. Is it good? Have they upgraded the sound system, or is it just those old like no, drive-throughs? Your, your car, car, your car bro. Yeah. It just has that Jag sound system. That's as good as it is. It's pretty good, man. And you, you got oh, you rolling a Jag? Oh, stop it! <laughs> what are you? Just, cut it out. It's just a. <laughs> You got shy It's for fine. Yeah. You know, it's okay. <laughs> oh my god, my neck is sweating. <laughs> my neck just started sweating. So well, they got like the Bose system in the Jag. You know, the... I don't yeah. know. It's just <laughs> whatever it is. Borlof and Olson. It's a. Borlof I can't remember. Bang I can't Bang Bang remember. Yeah. It's fine. I don't know what it is. It's it's yeah. nice. I don't. You I got don't... the pull out stereo, right? <laughs> got the MacGruber the tape deck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pop the face off. Put it in your pocket. Face off. Face off. <laughs> <laughs> you just covet those. Yeah. Oh, man. Look at that, man. The, like pull out catalog in the Sunday paper. Yes. Yeah. Be like, oh, <laughs> that pull off. It's the face. So good. Off. Yeah. I feel... Get one of those Kenwoods, bro. Kenwood. <laughs> But you know, not even not even just like action movies or big movies like that. Even comedies are better to be seen in a theater. Oh yeah, the shared like, experience. Yeah, that's like when I, I saw what we do in the shadows, and I watched it like in a theater, and it was great hearing people laugh, and like it made it really funny. Then I watched it again with some friends on iTunes, and it was it was funny to see that like the parts they would laugh at instead of yeah, you know, in the theater. One of my favorite cinematic experiences was when. At Sketchfest a few years ago, they showed Airplane at the Castro, oh, and then wow. the cast and directors were there, and the theater was, was like a thousand people. And watching Airplane with a thousand people and seeing all the jokes absolutely hold up, yeah. it was I because I it's just one of those movies that for so long you just kind of watch it with you or like maybe one of your friends, right. yeah. yeah. But getting to experience that again with an audience full of people, it was it was it was like a whole new movie, yeah. all did, over again. Did people kind of Rocky Horror it where they would say the lines before or during? Or no, they no, they didn't. They didn't. But you I don't call me sure. <laughs> I feel like it'd be hard not. To. <laughs> Yeah. I would be my impulse is to yeah. ruin it for everybody. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was, uh, I don't know. It, it... <laughs> I, went to see, I went to see Jaws. They re-released it this summer. And uh, went to a theater. Black like a doll's eyes. <laughs> there was like there was a couple of there were a couple of girls in the theater who had never seen the movie, so their reactions to the they were screaming when the shark showed up and stuff like right. that. And then like when whenever uh, when Quint and Brody and Hooper would uh, would sing, the audience would sing along with it. It was kind of fucking awesome. Oh, that's pretty. Uh, great. I thought it was going to be like a way to see it. He goes, "We're going to need a bigger boat," and they all went, "Oh, great line! <laughs> <laughs> no way! Oh, yes, he's going to need a bigger boat." <laughs> That's a classic line. That boat ain't big enough. <laughs> That's just a factually accurate statement. That was improvised by Roy Scheider. That's what someone probably would yell. Uh, <laughs> that would be the worst environment to see the movie. This is with, with a bunch of film nerds who are basically just trying to do their own version of DVD extras while yeah, you're trying no to watch a commentary track for Jazz. Someone's got to record I was watching a movie at CineFamily once and there was a guy behind me like every time. It was like this like Takashi Miike movie where it's like the guy's like, huh? Got a lot of that going, oh. Uh-huh. All right. Like, <laughs> yeah. just to himself out loud. It was the most fucking frustrating experience. I think the most frustrating experience for me was on Christmas Day several years ago, I took my mom to see Dream Girls. 
and there was someone sitting behind me who wasn't just singing along with the music. They were trying to harmonize with all the songs, <laughs> which made it like 30% more irritating. And they were not doing a good job. Yeah, I saw a guy once. Was, was it next Jennifer Hudson? It was Jennifer <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get it right. I'm gonna get it right. (laughs) (laughs) I just I left some stuff. I just left it. I left it. I'm done, and I want to. I can't control what they cut out, (laughs) (laughs) but I can systematically go around and add it to every screening of Dreamgirls. Have you ever had the experience, the opposite comedy experience I have where, like, if I love the movie and everyone's laughing, it makes it more fun. But if it's a movie where I'm not finding things funny, but the audience is going bizarre. Oh, yes. Yeah. For jokes I don't like, it makes me unable to enjoy the movie. Right. Yeah. I've had that happen a number of times. It makes me sad about the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the same when people go. They go, what do you do? I'm a comic. Oh, I love comedy. Like, my favorite. And they start listing stuff. You're like, please. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say the names of anything, obviously, for political reasons. For sure. Because you're running for office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally political reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Running for comptroller. Running for (laughs) (laughs) comptroller. Comptroller Sandberg. That'd be funny. And then the Brooklyn Nine-Nine, just your credit is just comptroller Sandberg. (laughs) I mean, that's. That's a thing that you should do. Is just take a low-level political office where you yeah. could you could manage both, but then you just get a weird title and, and it's it, just for entertainment reasons. <laughs> you know, you know who would do that? You know who would one hundred percent do Will that? T.J. Miller. Oh, T.J. Miller. T.J. Yeah, Miller yeah, would yeah, actually yeah. Be like I became comptroller of Echo Park. Like why? <laughs> it would be really hard for him to stay consistent enough in his campaign to win. It. <laughs> At some point, he'd, no, he'd freak win out on and, the like, inconsistency. Spit beer in someone's yeah. face and like take a shit on their desk. Yes, and they would love his moxie for that. Of course. And he would get the job. He'd be like, I believe he cares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I feel like there's got to be some low-level political office we have we to, put we have to yeah. run. We'll, you just get two people to run against each other. Just get one of your friends and you run against each other and you concoct. That would be so much fun to concoct the most ridiculous campaign with the the most ridiculous campaign <laughs> ads again. Because if your friend was in on it too, and you guys were going at each other, but then if you win, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. You you do well, you don't want to win, so I think maybe the trick is to try, is try, try to be as horrible as possible, so that your friend wins. It's basically like, yeah. who, did we just sell a movie? Yeah. <laughs> I think we did. Yeah, failing out of office. Yeah. He thinks he can run this city. He's right. Please vote for him. <laughs> Jeff, I know this started as a joke, but I- I'm just starting to care, you know? Like I-, I think I'm really going to try to win. That wasn't part of the deal. You don't, don't know how my kids are looking at me, man. <laughs> for the first time in my life, they believe in me. I mean, Rosina's pregnant. She's a person. She needs help. <laughs> I, might not- I can make a difference. <laughs> Maybe I don't win the election, but I might win back my wife. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so many layers. Shit. TJ will do it. Yeah. <laughs> Born in the USA. <laughs> we just made a trailer. We did it. This is going to be fun. We just Congrats. remade the campaign. Well, <laughs> so if you can take off August to September, done. we would totally shoot this. Done, done, done. Are you shooting Brooklyn? You're out. You must be off now. It's July, right? Uh, we're off now. I just finished shooting the Lonely Island movie. Nice. Yeah, I'm very excited. Holy shit. Produced by Judd Apatow. <laughs> we oh, get it, Judd. Jesus. <laughs> we got the French Judd Apatow. Nice. Judd. Judd Apatow. And Brooklyn comes back end of this month. Nice. Start shooting. And then the Seven Days in Hell. Seven Days in Hell. Uh, 
premieres uh, on the 8th, Wednesday, on HBO Go and HBO Now. It's a new thing they're trying. And then uh, the 11th on HBO proper. Home box office now. Thanks for letting me say that. Of course. It felt right coming out. <laughs> Good push. Yeah. Good promotion. So, Andy, you're doing a tennis movie. Uh, do you play tennis and you're... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm bad at tennis. <laughs> Wait, what? I am. Why did you do that documentary then? Because I love tennis. It's okay. funny. Okay, good. Uh, Kit Harrington <laughs> plays the other guy, Jon Snow. He's too handsome. Oh, Snow. Too handsome. He's we, too dreamy. We had to shave him. Yeah, you have to shave him down. He, Take away some of his he, power. He played even less tennis than me. <laughs> what? Yeah, he took a lesson the day before we started. He's one of those Holy British shit. grass courts, though. They fucking... That's true. And we shot on grass. Nice. <laughs> and by which I mean we smoked reefers. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so my grass. other movies, <laughs> these guys grow weed, but they have a tennis facility, <laughs> and so they grow weed as a tennis court. And uh, We called, can stop talking about it. It's called Weed Tennis, <laughs> and the tennis balls are green, and... Um, Steve Ag is like the tennis pro, and <laughs> a fallen <laughs> tennis pro. And tennis, tennis food is now like hot dogs and stoners and gangster people show up. So now yeah, sounds I'm, good. Yeah. Gangster people. <laughs> gangster the sequel people to Gangster Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently narrated by Bill Cosby. The thing is, the weed channels. It's one of those, one of those horrible riffs that you find yourself in the middle of, and no one's jumping. (laughs) (laughs) So you just keep talking. Like sooner or later, some homo's gonna jump on this comedy train and land on some pillows. Welcome to my world. (laughs) Yeah, when riffs go awry. So one guy's just been doing the same riff for like 17 years and no one, <laughs> no one's bailing him out. And then I, and then what if there was a guy? <laughs> <laughs> like alone and sitting alone in a graveyard. the oxygen. Uh, <laughs> and then George R. Binks was there. <laughs> no. Please, anyone? There's been a man. (laughs) There's been a man riffing in these woods for quite some time. (laughs) Yes. Are you? Are you? Are you riffy in life in your home, or do you get serious and quiet? Uh, I get pretty riffy. Riffy with my wife. Yeah, she's goof. Yeah. Uh, riffy with my bros. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm not like like I have friends like Hater and Armisen, guys like that. They like live in a riff, yeah, and delightfully so. <laughs> but like, I I definitely get more tired where I sometimes will just sit and stare at the corner or something. Yeah, because I just wonder because when you when you're doing it all day at work, yeah, does it just take some of the fun out of it when you get home? You're like, I don't I don't want to play a game. I just want to <laughs> eat. And no, I still I still want to goof around when I get home. Yeah, I think it's it's it feels better than like thinking about the real world <laughs> it's a distraction <laughs> technique yeah as it always was do you are you taking any time off um i'm taking a week off tomorrow starting tomorrow okay and then i'm back and i'm doing the emmys <gasps> yes that's right you're hosting the fucking emmys i know it's nice. crazy so i have to start that are you ah uh, that's a dumb question what I, ask it am i scared ask, ask yeah you're it, nervous at all it. i am scared a little yeah it's a scary proposition it is it's not like 
a super hot comedy room either. <laughs> and I was like, a giant industry people love to laugh yeah. <laughs> in groups. I mean, it, you know, it can go. I think I thought Seth did it incredibly well last year. Yeah, had really funny stuff. Um, yeah, and I was there, and it played well. But it's not like you can't kill the Emmys. It's yeah. impossible yeah. because it, it because what what people don't know from watching it at home is that. It's there are pockets of celebrities, and then there's a so you, like you see people you know, yeah. But then there's a then there's a bunch of seat fillers, yeah. And then there's a bunch of industry people that you don't really know what they do, yeah. And the crowd as a whole does not come. It's very rare for them to come together, right? It, like you can get pockets of people, yeah. It's not like like I did the movie awards a ways back, and it was like one of those really hot Twilight years. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can just talk about Twilight and the crowd's going to go bananas. Yeah. And then snuck in some weird comedy underneath that. Yeah. Like, whereas... Do the same thing for the Emmys. (laughs) (laughs) Just talk about Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) And then sneak in some TV stuff. (laughs) Twilight was on TV the other day. That's funny about that. Big musical number. Yeah. (laughs) Are you Team Edward? (laughs) I am Team is that you thought you were going to be able to host the Emmys the year after you did the MTV Movie Awards. Just so you just wrote it all there. Yeah. <laughs> I, think we, I don't think the Emmys would appreciate this, but it could be like, <laughs> you could just you come out and sing a song about movies and tell them like that you, cause th- you're being conditioned to host the Oscars, so you're just practicing. <laughs> so you're using the Emmys as a workshop show for the Oscars. Like, write it like you were hosting the Emmys in 1994. <laughs> so oh, like make all one. your jokes about like must-see TV. Yeah, and how well yeah, we found this like chest in the back room of the Emmy warehouse. <laughs> 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 you should do that, and you think it's going to be that joke, and then it's just the Ark of the Covenant, and everyone's like, <laughs> 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 just melts. <laughs> Don't look! Perry Gilpin is in the crowd. <laughs> it just seems like such we a. We have uh, Becker's Ted Danson here. Hey. <laughs> we have Becker having a great season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the Ben Stiller show, breaking molds in television, <laughs> making the jump from MTV. Where, where's Andy Dick? Uh, actually, the, there are enough people. Yeah. That you could like Odenkirk would be there, so you yeah could, yeah yeah right. right you could do the like nothing's changed joke nothing yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's just that it's such a strange it's such a strange animal because if you just came out and did nothing up top people were like you didn't do anything right but then if you do what people consider too much they're like oh you just did it too much yes if you do stuff in between like because you didn't keep the show moving like there's no I feel like. There's no, there's just no way to make people happy. There's also there's so many shows now. Right, it's crazy. Like I could come out and my monologue could just be listing every show that aired this year, and that would fill the time. Yeah, it's great. Plan B. I mean, that's actually not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. Real statement. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you're there to do. Make statements. It would definitely like spawn a bunch of did this suck or was it cool? Yeah. I think flip it around. Like open within memoriam. That's fucking great. It's time to look at those we've lost. Welcome to the Emmys. Let's take a look at (laughs) Oh, where have you gone? (laughs) Straight out the gate. (laughs) And then, like, towards the end, do a monologue, and everyone's like, Just let us leave. Toward the end, after the last award. After the last award. 
All right, that's the best drama. That's our show, everyone. You ever notice how a madman? <laughs> People are actually like pumping shotguns. That would be so amazing. They don't let us drink. I mean, <laughs> well, the 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 weird thing. Have you been to the interactive? I mean, to the um, the technical Emmys for the previous week? Yes, I've been to that. That one's really funny because. People just don't stay in the theater. Like, they go and convene outside, and then they come in, like, an award before theirs, and then they leave again. Oh, yeah. So it's this sort of, like, weird, half-empty room yeah. where people And are... they're really strict about drinking at those, too. Like, <clears throat> I, we tried to bring flasks, and they confiscated them. Jesus. <laughs> what? Yeah. I was super bummed. What did they... Are you sure that wasn't just a dude at the door who... No, it was for real. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was super pissed. <laughs> You're like, it's the technical Emmys! Yeah, I was like, please, how do you expect us to sit through this? It's like five hours long to sit through all this and then not win for best song. <laughs> <laughs> Did they give you the flasks back at all? No. What? Gone forever. It was like, no. I think it had my initials on it and everything. It was like a special flask. Oh, Filled with liquid acid. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention I'm the acid murderer. Uh, what? I was going to dose everyone. <laughs> It'd be funny if, like, uh, Robert Durst is somehow out of prison at this point and he can go to the <laughs> Oh, my <laughs> God. Uh, Mulaney did a really funny bit about that, about how he thinks Durst should win the Emmy. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, he's, like, he's like, whoever wins for that show won't be Robert Durst, and that's a crime. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he killed three people, but somewhere. I kind of like him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's charming. Because he's so... Uh, I don't know. He's, he's he's just so whatever that quality is. And I don't know if it's... Old Jew. No, no, no. no. He acts so innocent. So innocent. Yeah, he's really good at acting innocent. It's like the like, more... Well, you know... Uh... But he says things that you would... That are that kind of makes sense. Oh well, of course I must have killed everyone right, because right, I right. was. I mean, like, was he just confessing that now, or is yeah. he? Or well, is you he see, just being... she had the zip code everybody wants, but not the location. <laughs> right, right, right. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. What happened with that? Did they? Did Jarecki ever? Did they make in any sort of a? Here's why we released all of the. Because it was weird. It was weird for well, a minute. A little late to be talking about that. I think. What. You want us to do a fucking monologue about Becker. 1994. Yeah. <laughs> that's different. That's, just, this is, this is just a few hard. months I think ago. We definitely have to talk about the Jinx. Yeah. yeah it was sure. one of the big stories for in sure. TV this year, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Certainly on the coasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much on the flyovers. <laughs> you just focus on the coast. Everything else will sort itself out. That's the best like series finale in the history of television. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's so crazy that he did that. Yes, it's, it's he's like, so crazy. His body rejecting it, just, like, just yeah. and the burping. It's so <laughs> just incredible. Like, just you can't amazing. believe it's happening. <laughs> like I would say, more people's faces contorted more for that than Red Wedding. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. For like, sure. no! for sure. I think I out loud was going no, <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> you know, at least with Red Wedding, though, it's like. Well, you expect. I mean, it was definitely shocking, but but in context, you're like, it all makes sense. Yes, but no, but nothing about Robert Turns no. makes sense. Like, well, we have this, we have the security footage of you showing up at your brother's place with a backpack, like yeah. the day, you know. So it's it's just it, it, he was fully gonna keep living his life yeah, fine if absolutely. he didn't do that. 
Yeah. If he didn't do any number of things, he would be. Or if he didn't agree to life. be in the thing. Sure. If he didn't go out of it, didn't, it wasn't even just to agree to it. Like, he, I think he sort of sought it out. Yeah, he must have been. It must be that thing of like he movie. wanted to be caught, right? Yeah, it had to be. Well, otherwise, it was why either do you he do wanted that? to be caught or it was it, it was so much. Um, Wasn't it that he liked the way that Jarecki portrayed him in the fictionalized version movie? Right. That he did. That he was like reached out to Jarecki and was like, "I really like how you how you." I just think if you're that you wanna... far out, if you're that mentally far out, then he must have just assumed that. Um, because I don't think it was... I also love what a throwaway him dismembering that gentleman was. Such like, a throwaway. Such a throwaway We're not in his here life. to talk about... We know that he cut a guy up and put <laughs> him in the bag. We know that he went back and fished out Texas, the head. That is not a crime. No. Well, that's not the crime we are here you know to that? talk about today. Hey, who hasn't accidentally killed a guy and then chopped him up? I mean, yeah. we all got <laughs> heads slow. in our backyards that ain't ours. <laughs> no one ever said, where's the head? No one ever said, My you know, client is only guilty of not submerging this bag full of parts. Yeah. <laughs> my, client is, my client may be guilty of posing as a woman and murdering a man and putting his body into several pieces and then vanishing the head, but that's not what this case is about. <laughs> you find the head, then we'll talk, but until uh, then. I'm surprised someone didn't go, I, I have a question, juror number seven, can this case be about that? That's <laughs> would that be okay? That would be also super pertinent, I think. <laughs> and it seems like, it's, everyone's just like, nope. nope. Too late, we already decided. Whether or not. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. We ain't got time. It's, it's hot. It's Texas. We gotta get out of here. Are you gonna do you think you, so? Do you think you might do something uh, uh, Jinx related? How if I could get Durst to come do a, like a musical number? Oh with me? my god, <laughs> that would be amazing! Sorry, Fred Durst. Fred Durst. Yeah. Fred Durst. Yeah. 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 Robert Durst. Yeah. yeah, that was funny how he like went out of his way to clarify for everyone they weren't related. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of like that move. <laughs> for well, the record, uh, that yeah. means it happened enough times in the span of a week that he was like, "Fuck this!" Yeah. <laughs> Fred Durst murdered music. He's not in jail. Okay, that's a fair point. <laughs> I think that'd be am- that would be amazing if you could get right. But then it's weird because it's like uh, the comedy side of you wants to do that, but then the other side is like, oh, should we glorify this guy anymore? But it's funny. It is funny. If you could get him, I think you should try to get him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He did murder a few people. No. He might murder people there. You don't know, but... Hey, good for ratings. Good for, good for ratings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so every year they're like, we got to get more serial murderers on the show <laughs> yeah. to really up the ratings. Is it? I, I just think, are you... How long is the... Pro, it's in September this year, right? It was yeah. in August last year. Yeah. So on a Monday. You're going to start You're gonna start in about a week. God damn. I don't even... Where do you start with that? Uh, well, uh, Ackerman's going to help me. Nice. And a lot of Bang Bang writers, so I'm excited for that. Nice. Um, and we're just going to get in a room and start throwing ideas It starts like this. What? Where you just start riffing It's on. like this, except yeah. not recorded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and stuff you would actually use. I think I might no, use some yeah, of this. this no joke. Go Definitely starting with In Memoriam. That's done. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll you know I'll give you a lower third credit. While I appreciate it's that. Yeah. I appreciate that because I definitely want credit for that idea <laughs> when everyone flips the fuck out. <laughs> I didn't. He just, I was. I didn't know. I swear to God. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a crazy. It's it's a, because it's um, 
do you 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 sort of write for the audience there, but there you kind of can't, right? You really just have to write for the audience at home. I think so. I mean, a little of both. You don't want it to sound like it's tanking, right? Because we'd always deal with that at SNL too. We were like. I know this is funny, but it's not super crowd pleasing. Right. But then once you're sitting in that room and it's like playing to <laughs> not a lot of laughs, people at home are like, this isn't funny. Right. Even mm. if it maybe they would have thought it was funny with no potential for hearing people laugh. Yeah. If there's a potential for it, I think you need to hear it a little bit. That's why they made laugh tracks. You yes. know, it's the exact re- they should just that have an Emmy yeah. laugh track. But laugh tracks, I feel like laugh tracks has just gotten worse and worse. They're wor- they're so bad. Like they give me the heebie-jeebies. You can you can tell. You can. It's it's they come in too hot, yeah. too fast. <laughs> yeah. They stay at one level. There's no there's no flow to it. It's just yeah. Ah! Yeah. and then yeah. it's it's just, just too jarring. Did you ever work on a like a sitcom of any sort? In yeah, any capacity. So I I worked uh, on Spin City for a while as a PA. Yep. And I've been on other show sets. There's a thing, especially with live sitcoms, where even if a joke's funny, like the writers during rehearsal have that like writer's laugh mm-hmm. of like, <laughs> and it feels like laugh track laughter where it's like they're just blocking a scene or rehearsing a scene and then like punchline hits and everyone goes, ah! You know, they do that. <laughs> I think they do that. Because they want the cast to feel good about the jokes, and also they they want the network to not cut the jokes. Ah, so the so the writers, I think they will laugh harder for their own jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that the network, you know, so when you get that round of notes post run through at the end of the day, those jokes survive. I think it's just to show the network, like, ha, ha, ha. yeah, yeah. Because because yeah. if there's no noise, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, where if there's no noise, then it's assumed that it's a dud. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Even though the network people know, like, oh, well, there's no audience here. There couldn't possibly be anyone. To- <laughs> But, you know, like, or, or if you do, uh, it's like watching people who, like, inexperienced comics do a show where there's almost no one there, and they still get upset, like, they're bombing when there's only, like, eight people in the audience. Right. Like, but it's not possible for yeah. you. Like, it's not, there's no way for it, it to be explosive you in any way. You can't hear big laughter. No. It's just physically impossible. No. But especially because yeah. you don't know, and for people at home, they also don't know, like, well, how well is the audience mic'd, you know? Yeah, true. If the audience isn't mic'd well, then the show's going to sound like a dud, and then you're going to sound like you're full of shit when you're like, no, but if you were there, you would really have... I have one of those. <laughs> and I, you can't even... If I say it, it'll seem like I'm just saying that, but it's true. I, I did the Harvard speech, yeah, and they didn't mic the audience. Right. And it was like, when I walked off the stage, I was like, holy shit, that was just thousands of people laughing. That was cool. <laughs> And then I watched it back once, and it was like, it sounds like it's just eating shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, it went so well. It's like, Harvard. They weren't smart yeah. enough to mic the audience. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I've, I've had those shows, too, where I've, I've had a venue record a stand-up set so I can listen back to it. Yeah. And and the show went great, but the only feed was this unidirectional Mike, microphone. Yeah. And so the audience in the back was like, like there's nothing and i just i destroyed it like i just deleted it i'm like this can't exist anywhere because no one would believe that it actually was a good show i should get that harvard thing and put tons of laughter you should get the harvard thing you should get the harvard thing and cut in footage from 90s deaf comedy jam (laughs) where dudes are just falling out that'd be amazing yeah did it did they publish it somewhere Uh, yeah it's on youtube yeah yeah and did it did you ever feel the need to defend it and go, no, you guys, you don't even know, I swear to God. Not until just now. <laughs> but I caved. I finally caved. The, internet, the internet's real mad. It seems like it's far enough removed from it now that it doesn't seem like I'm actually 
trying to like compensate. Do you know what's nice though is that right, guys. No, it's fine. It's, a bit yeah, it's, a little, it's all right. Yeah. It's all right. It's I mean, you did steer the whole entire direction of the conversation. No, no one even brought up Harvard. That's yeah, not we why we I came talking here. about. No. Andy, yeah. why do you have Harvard laugh track on your hand? <laughs> Wait, no, <laughs> I didn't write that. It's on your face now. <laughs> You've smeared it to wipe the sweat. <laughs> no, but you know what's what's <laughs> no. What's no. great about something like that is that it, I think the lesson, the takeaway is like because as, as you know. As a comic, you can harsh, you can scarcely imagine something worse, where something gets out into the world that doesn't, that isn't really a fair depiction or an accurate depiction, at least in your mind, of like where where you're at, and then you go, oh my god, it's gonna be the worst thing, and then it's just like a wave, it just passes over, and then no one really gives a shit. No, the anymore. cycle right nowadays is one to two days. Yeah. yeah, of anything. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so terrifying. Yeah. Everyone's gonna have like panic attacks and breakdowns because you can't stop now. It's kind of funny that the when the the the, the furor over the uh, the Louis C.K. the the last SNL monologue they did. Oh, was there furor over it? Yeah, like it was it was a the child molester. Stuff? It was a it was a media. It was kind of like a media concocted like outrage and this person need these are, yeah. you know and they always do the same here it's, it's like seven screen caps of tweets yeah. not everyone didn't like it though and then right, like right. four screen caps of people like this is great but uh <laughs> uh but when we did the oddball tour last year and I, I was we were talking to him, i was talking to him about the, about internet stuff and he was like yeah if you just don't go online for a couple of days after something it's like it didn't happen right so i i just imagine him <laughs> in that moment he probably just like Shut off everything for like yeah. a few days, and then, and then and then I did that when I hosted SNL. I just didn't check for a week, and it didn't Perfect. matter. And like a few people were like, "Hey, people said nice things," and I was like, "It went great." <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's so that's what that's what, and I think by doing that, the fascinating part is that you really see how much power you have in constructing your reality. Right. That yes. if you do if you do populate your world with all the negative stuff, that's what will manifest. And then that just, I think just becomes like a perpetual self-fulfilling prophecy machine. But if you just, you know, just kind of do that, it's, you know, it's like, well, I still, I'm, I still have a job. You still have a job. You're still going to host the (laughs) Emmys. You're still, you're still going to work. You still just made this movie. Like it doesn't, it's the things that I think we put up in our head. It's like that, that would be the worst. It's like, yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's all right. You're as good as the last thing you did. Then Then it's totally fine. Uh, I loved that Louis monologue. Yeah, it was like it felt to me like he was going out of his way to push his boundaries and see what he could or couldn't get yeah. away with. Yeah. yeah, and also it's like it's like watching it was like watching Gandalf like see like how far can I reach the like yeah. how how he was taking the responsibility of you know there are a few other people who could even get away with even kind of skimming that topic. Yes, yes. And but what I loved about watching it was how human he was in the moment because you could tell it's i i just don't think of him as a comic that ever shits his pants on stage about right, stuff he's right. going to talk about and then watch him being like we're going to get through you know it's like <laughs> him going and i just ruined my career you know like all all of that acknowledgement i thought yes. was really great but i thought that was part was of honest. the bit too like he built that into it i think on purpose because yeah like it was as much about making people laugh as it was about seeing like how much do people love me at this point? Like, yeah. can I charm my way through this bit about child molesters? Yeah. And the answer was, for the most part, yes, because he's that fucking good at this point. Well, and also, you know, there are some guys who really feel like it's their responsibility in comedy to 
push boundaries. You're supposed to push boundaries. You're supposed to talk about things that people are uncomfortable talking about. You know, it's obvious that he doesn't think child molesters are rad. Of course. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not, you know, just saying the words on stage is like some people just can't even, they just immediately shut down, like, you can't yeah. say that. So I think it's important because, com- you know, it's, it's, it's pushing the boundaries of comedy and not, because I, it, it, this is definitely a time where people are more scared than they've ever been to say things. Right, right. To, well, to not get completely eviscerated. Because the feedback system is so immediate. It's yeah. so immediate yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's brutal and it's, um, and, and it's very unforgiving. Yeah. And it, and, it, and it really can topple people. If, you know, yeah, for re- sure. It really can topple careers. So. It was especially cool, I thought, just because, you know, having worked there, the monologue is generally a very safe zone. Yeah. You know, it's like, let's introduce our hosts to the audience and figure out one or two ways to endear them to everybody. And right. then we'll go off and have fun with it. Whereas for him, he was like, I've done this a bunch of times. Everyone knows who I am, what I'm about. I'm going to, like, take this moment in the show and do something super... Anti. Yes, but and and also in context though, if it was going to be anyone, it had to be him, or it had to be Chris Rock, or it had to be Chappelle. Yeah. Like it would have. Chris Rock did do some crazy. He did yeah. do some crazy. <laughs> it was great. And uh, and and yeah, people were not too pleased with that no. either. But but his point was a very human, valid point of like, I'm terrified to go up in the new towers. I'm right. terrified. Yeah. Uh, he said he was robbed on some street. He was like, "I've never been back to that street in twenty years." Like, right. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's 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 just part of his human nature. So yeah. it's, you know, for anyone to say like, "How dare you?" It's disrespectful. He's like, "No, I'm just, you know, I think if if someone's coming at it from a point of view of like, um, they're trying to exploit something or make someone who's not in position of power feel bullied or weak, is it? But if it's a question of these are human things that I'm feeling, yeah. and I'm not the only person, right? And that's an honest, authentic reaction. I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair game. I'm with you. Okay, good. So <laughs> In Memoriam starts the show. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to plug or promote while you're here? Um, no. What can you say about the Lonely Island movie? Uh, the Lonely Island movie is uh, it's musical in nature. Okay. It's like uh, one of those like pop star concert films. <laughs> um, and my character, it's, it's not like pure pop. There's a lot of rapping, obviously, because we don't sing. <laughs> um, although there's a little singing. Okay. Auto-tune to the rescue. Perfect. Nice. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. It's like the movie we've been talking about making for like six years. Finally made it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Rad. Next June. Oh, my God. You have to wait a year. Coming out against Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Ah, uh, you know, that obviously, in all fairness, that has an audience, of course, but I think that's good counter-programming for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know. Too. I'm pretty conflicted right now. What? The smear campaign sure. You have a whole weekend. Right you could... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just They're digging what? up some dirt on Donatello. Actually, yeah. I, think, I think it would be an amazing campaign for the Lonely Island movie if you guys made a rap video about fuck the turtles. Like, basically. Like how much we hate TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Do, a, do a parody of Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Oh, yeah. We should get Vanilla Ice to do a new song about our movie. He would do it. Yeah. Talking about how the turtles are... Go bogus. Island, go Island, go Island, go. Yeah. It should be called Turtles is Our Bogus. Turtles is Our Bogus. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's going to bring him back. You can see these ideas just come to me. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to you in the it's Emmys. Like... Cut to you in the Emmys with Vanilla Ice. <laughs> turtles is, is Bogus. Like, what does this have to do with? I don't even know. But is you know the other thing about the Emmys that's interesting is is watching all of the 
digital media like work its way in and watch. I don't think television's too too thrilled with all that stuff. I'm not. I mean, the the Emmys themselves, I think, are just like great. Whatever people are excited about, we're we're going to talk about and address. I mean, I don't know how the networks specifically feel about. You're talking about like Amazon and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. crazy. It's. Com- I mean, it's everyone's like, oh, it's changing. It's completely changed. It's over. Like, uh, if you make a show anywhere, yeah, it has a shot of being nominated. For Will Emmy. Modern Family break Frazier's record? Oh, I mean, they tied it. Five in a row. Best is that right? Row. Yeah. Essentially, uh, it's Chris Lloyd breaking his own record. <laughs> is your show is, is Brooklyn? Oh, we don't know. The nominees aren't nominated yet. yet. I'm guessing it won't be. Really? I love it. I mean, we had the incredible year at the Globes. Yeah. Um, it's so many shows. Yeah, like, I guess how do, you, how do you break through? Yeah. I don't know. I think Brower will probably get nominated. He's incredible, and, and they love him. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, you never know. I think it'd be amazing if you got to present your own award to yourself That'd be killer. as you were hosting the Emmys. I should go on the record. I would love to be nominated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too cool to be nominated. I, I want to make it very clear. I mean, we've been on two seasons, and last year we didn't, so I'm going to say we're not going <laughs> to. If you don't, you know, if you don't get nominated as the host of the show, you could just create a category and give, your, give Brooklyn Nine-Nine an Emmy. Best Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Best Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Best comedy set in Brooklyn. Uh, no, best Brooklyn-based comedy. Girls oh, can win Brad Shit! Brad and then you lose to girls. <laughs> really funny. That'd be funny. I try and rig it, and then yeah. girls wins. And then girls wins. There it is. Lena, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Damn it! So great. Well, thanks for coming to doing the podcast again. Thanks for having me. After all these years, uh, congratulations on everything. And likewise, and no, do stop. And let's, uh, let's go to do pars, right? Let's hey, pancakes, syrup <laughs> on the bottom, just like Bosh. You've never said anything of, of that nature. I don't even know what he's fucking talking about. Dupars. What, where do you guys eat around here? What's your main spot? Um, oh, we're in a vast wasteland around Grub, Hollywood yeah. Center Studios. Yep. Grub, Grub, Grub's really good. Grub's, Grub's Grub. right around the corner. Get you the, got uh, to... buffalo chicken salad or whatever. Buffalo chicken salad's really uh-huh. good. The corner is good, right up there on uh, oh, Island. Now we're talking. Island, Lexington. Yeah. Ammo? We do a lot of ammo at the Lonely Island office. Oh, really? Yeah, the rice and chicken. Mm-hmm. Very healthy. By the way, by the way... Every time we start talking about where things are in Los Angeles, people cite the Californian sketch at us. Oh, really? Whenever. And I tried to explain to someone, like, you don't understand. Things are... No, here's why that sketch works, because that's what people do. (laughs) No, it is, because when you live here, there are so many different neighborhoods that that gives you context for the thing. Yeah. And you spend so much time in your car... That you have to don't make that face no, no, at me. People in New York, everyone I know in New York, they like talk about their train routes just as much as people like they here do. Talk oh, about yeah, take the L train yeah. over to the yeah. blah blah blah. My favorite thing to do is to try and bait Bill or Fred into talking about directions in L.A. and then going <laughs> the Californians like fuck you, man. <laughs> I'm just telling you how to get there. Like, Comedy is truth, brother. Hey, look, I didn't <laughs> say it. You did, man. <laughs> uh, well, we're at the end. Enjoy a burrito, everyone. The end. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest. 
and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense thing you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.